Welcome to episode number three of Ask Corey. I'm John Gay. I'm joined by Corey Carpenter from Carpenter Law. And Corey, student loan debt is really a major crisis in our country right now. And I'd like to ask you today where student loans and bankruptcy come together and how that whole process works. Good afternoon, John. Good to be here. You're absolutely right. If I had to pick one topic out of any type of subject bankruptcy related that is the most frustrating, not only for myself, but for my clients, it is student loan debt. Mm -hmm. We have a huge crisis in this country regarding student loan debt. I believe uh, the last time I checked, there was over $1.7 trillion in outstanding student loan debt in this country as of this year. And people are struggling beyond belief. When it comes to bankruptcy, and I just want to give you a little history here, Mm -hmm. modern bankruptcy code was first enacted. Student loan debt was treated like any other type of consumer debt. Yeah. It was a debt that could be completely discharged along with medical bills, credit cards, and the like. Then somewhere along the way, Congress got it through their heads that lawyers, doctors were trying to game the system by getting extremely expensive educations running up a lot of student loan debt, and then simply jumping into the bankruptcy forum ah. to absolve themselves of that debt while continuing on careers while making six figures a year for the rest of their lives. That explains why things changed. Exactly. So the bankruptcy code has been amended numerous times over the years. It was enacted in the, the late 70s. It was amended in the 80s, again in 1996. And then the most modern version of that amendment was in 2005 with the Bankruptcy Abuse Prevention and Consumer Protection Act of 2005, commonly known as BAPSIPA by bankruptcy practitioners. Mm -hmm. The BAPSIPA amendments in 2005 changed a student loan discharge exception where borrowers had to be at least five years removed from their education to seek a discharge of their student loans to essentially making any type of educational debt, either public or private, presumptively a debt that could not be discharged. Now, there are exceptions to that rule. It's called the undue hardship exception. Mm -hmm. And what is so frustrating about that rule is that it is enforced or interpreted differently depending on what court you're in. Wow. Some courts will look at a debtor's total circumstances and determine if a continuing obligation to pay many outstanding student loans would impose an undue hardship. And that's really kind of the common sense, practical solution to that issue, something I happen to agree with. Mm -hmm. Other courts, and those include bankruptcy courts in the Sixth Circuit, which is Michigan, Ohio, Tennessee, and Kentucky, employ a somewhat more stringent test. It's called the Bruner test, which is named after a case called Inre Bruner that was out of New York in the Second Circuit that the Sixth Circuit adopted. And there is basically a three-pronged test that courts employ to determine if a student loan is an undue hardship. Mm -hmm. Uh, That means, number one, is a debtor made a good faith effort to pay student loans back? Two, can a debtor maintain a minimal standard of living if they're required to pay back their student loans? And three, is that circumstance likely going to persist for a significant period of the debtor's repayment period? Okay. The problem with the Bruner test is that 
Courts often interpret that, particularly the second prong, that being the minimal standard prong, to require that a debtor demonstrate that their circumstances are simply hopeless, meaning they can nitpick and scrutinize any number of expenses a debtor discloses, whether it's car insurance, cell phone, you name it. It's a very frustrating process, uh, one that I have a lot of experience in. I have actually tried and litigated these hardship cases with people in many different circumstances, and it's very frustrating. But to your point in your question that you mentioned before, John, what bankruptcy can do with your student loans, if nothing else, is really twofold. Mm -hmm. One, it can address other debt that is dischargeable. A lot of times when people have problems and are struggling to repay their student loans, it's not just the student loans that they're having problems with. It's the student loans in conjunction with the other consumer debt that they have. You know, mounting medical bills, credit card debt because they can't get a job coming out of school that aligned with the degree that they just got and spent tens of thousands of dollars for in borrowing student loans. That's one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is, and particularly when we're dealing with private student lenders, not the government, not the Department of Education, it may be an opportunity to force those lenders to the negotiating table. Mm -hmm. I have had circumstances where these lenders will come to the negotiating table and actually negotiate in good faith to craft reasonable and equitable settlement of student loan debt, whether it's They'll take less than what the amount is owed. If debtors can pay in a lump sum, they may reduce the interest rate or monthly payments. So there's a lot of things that we can do with student loans, even if we can't get them fully discharged. That is a really important point, that even if you can't wipe out the loans like you can, say, a credit card debt, you can wipe out other debts that affect your ability to pay the loans, and you can also negotiate down the loans in a lot of cases. I think that's a really important point to make. So... Where do you see the future of student loans and bankruptcy proceedings, Corey? Well, like anything else, it depends on who's controlling Congress. Yeah. I know Senator Warren and Jerry Nadler in the House of Representatives just introduced a sweeping overhaul bill to the bankruptcy code, which would make it easier to discharge student loan debts. It's going to be interesting to see with the incoming administration what kind of traction that gets. And obviously, it depends a lot on how the runoff elections in Georgia turn out. Right. And worth mentioning, we're recording this on December 10th. So if you're listening to this after the runoff at this point, we don't know who's going to win. <laughs> Absolutely true. So a lot of bankruptcy practitioners, myself included, really hope that Congress can come together for the good of the country and craft some common sense relief that will help this exploding student loan crisis. And it will be interesting to see how it plays out. Very important to think about going forward, Corey. Thank you for the time. As always, we're going to talk in our fourth episode coming up about bankruptcy and mortgages. Look forward to it. Thank you, John. 